The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Through a mix of solo and interview episodes, I want to showcase all the different ways the spirit world helps guide our daily lives, whether it's through intuition, signs, mediumship, channeling, the mystical, or the paranormal, our altruistic spirit guides and other members of our loving soul team are always there, ready, able, and willing to guide us. My guest today is Kasha Burke. Kasha is a past life healer, sixth generation psychic and channel for the collective spark Echo. She's an international spiritual mentor and Akashic record reader, supporting souls in their human experience here on earth, whilst helping them remember their connection to the astral. Hi, Kasha. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and pleasure to be here with you this morning. Oh, you're so sweet. I'm so excited to dive in with you and talk about a lot of the things that I said in your intro. Sixth Generation Psychic, a channel for the collective Spark Echo. I mean, uh, okay, where do we even start? (laughs) So maybe we could start with who you are and where you came from, Kasha. Yeah, that's a good place to start. (laughs) Well, I guess, depending on how far we want to go back, <laughs> I am a Mentakian starseed, but my story could start in my childhood when my mom and my grandma were hugely into astrology, horoscopes, tarot cards, pendulums, but it was done in such an in-house way because we lived in Poland, which is predominantly a Catholic country, so religion is taught in school so I was forbidden to take out my little deck of tarot outside of the house so it was done in the house I don't ever recall anyone coming for any sessions or anything like that so I'm not sure whether my grandmother and my mom ever did sessions per se but somehow this was part of my childhood and To me, to be honest with you, up until recently, it seems like such an obvious small thing that I assumed everyone's parents or moms went to this. Everyone had, as a kid, a tarot deck that when my clients or my students talked about, I've always been psychic, I said, oh, I don't know if I always was psychic. And so it took me, I think, a good 20-something years to realize and discover that there's a whole lineage of women that were psychic but weren't practicing. Now, both my grandmother and my mom have now crossed over, so there's no way of me really validating with tangible evidence aside from just tuning in and feeling their presence. 
and a guidance. But growing up, I had my own tarot deck. And because I was that kid at school that didn't fit in, was always the outsider. We moved around a lot around Mm -hmm. Europe. So I always went to new schools. And so in a way, tarot was my 15 minute in a spotlight because... (laughs) That's how I made friends. Girls were coming to me asking about boy stuff and predictions. And I thought I'm making things up. So I was just telling them things that I thought were just part of the story that was popping into my head. And then things started happening. I got validation, more were coming. As I got older, because I never learned to have a filter, I was just saying whatever was coming up. So even bad things. And then when those started happening as well, I thought I jinxed them. Mm. It just didn't even cross my mind that I was receiving this guidance from their guides and I just needed to put it in a nicer way. So I shut it down at the age of 18, 19. I just shut it down. Like that's it. I'm not touching them. (laughs) So it was a good 20 something years when I had my, I guess, second awakening. It was like this shake up and it was beginning of 2020, end of 2019, but 2020 where I started meditating in 2019 and things I felt started to shift, but so subtle, I wouldn't even notice. And in 2020, I was part of this huge meditation group. Oh, huge. It was potent. And I wanted to speak to my dad who has passed away just before that. But instead, I think now in hindsight, I was taken into the Akashic Records, which I had never heard of back then. And I started seeing past lives of my husband who was at the meditation with me and my friend who was there as well. All these things, and I was sharing things with them, and it didn't even cross my mind that this is weird or strange or am I imagining. It just felt like I have to tell them. So from then, things started to roll. I found myself good spiritual teachers. I received, I think, that initial guidance in that meditation enough for me to go like, oh, I think I need to look into this and these past lives that were popping up. And then from then, it just rolled to Akashic Records, mediumship, and everything else that is now here. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That is so wild. Okay. It's wild because I can relate to that on so many levels in that I also had two awakenings, one in my... I want to say early 20s, late teens. And then my second one, it started the end of 2019, took off in 2020, because in 2019, I too started meditating. That's so crazy. (laughs) I feel like that was the wave that was coming to do a big shake up here for a lot of us. Yes. And a lot of people who maybe missed a turn off earlier before 2020 were like, okay, we got to wake you up now. This is the time. (laughs) I agree. I feel like in 2019, though my first spiritual awakening was pretty profound for me to remember it and for it to even initiate things, but... Like you, how you said it was really potent. I felt like for me too, in 2020, things just really started fast forwarding and so many profound aha moments happened. And I think you're right. It had to happen for lots of us around that time to really get the ball rolling. That's just so fascinating. So sixth generation psychic that's pretty far back. How did you find that out? Well, one of my spiritual teachers who now I'm very blessed to call my dear friend as well, 
So she's ninth generation. Wow. She was taught by her grandmothers. Like she sees spirit with her eyes. I just want to be like her <laughs> when I grow up. So there were moments in that awakening where I felt lost. It's like I've gained this superpower and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I can do something with this now. Finally, it all makes sense. I feel like I belong somewhere. And then once I've mastered this, there came again this lost moment. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm on the right track. So she was working with me and we were doing shadow work as well together. And actually she connected to my great, 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 great grandmother who back in a day played with tarot before it was the modern day tarot. And so she said that it was on my mom's side I'm the sixth generation, but that my mom and my grandmother and my aunt, actually, so her sister, they had the witches wound so deep that they didn't bring it out fully. They didn't live in that full potential, but more paved the way for us. And so finding that out, Laura, at first, it was a little bit like, I don't know if I want to share this with anyone, people who have known me throughout my adult life as this simple, normal Kasha who perhaps, okay, she is a little bit crazy. There's no pattern to her. She kind of just goes with the flow. Lovely. (laughs) Very spontaneous. Has maybe a little bit of a love for crystals here and there. All of a sudden, she is sixth generation. So I was very careful what I wanted to share or not. But then I realized that holding back all this information is making me live not in my authentic expression. As a result, I felt that it was hindering me in how I was showing up for my clients. So embracing all those parts of me has actually helped me. Unfortunately, it did mean that certain relationships fell away and certain things crumbled away. But I always think even if this work, this craziness helps one, two people, then I feel like I'm living my purpose. Yeah. Well, I always say it's not rejection, it's protection. So when things like that happen, though it's hard and difficult, especially at first, we don't quite understand why relationships are lost or opportunities are lost for whatever reason. I always like knowing that, okay, I'm actually being protected or something better is coming or there's a reason for this. Because I too have had relationships in my life that have come and gone and get really nostalgic and sad. And I sometimes will analyze, well, gosh, did I do something? Should I have done something more? But I always go back to whoever or whatever is protecting me. Maybe there was something about that person or that opportunity that wouldn't have served me. We're constantly, I feel like in this work, wrapping ourselves in these protective bubbles of love. And so what do you expect when you're constantly doing that when things start to fall by the wayside? Again, relationships and opportunities and things, when they start to disappear, go away, we wonder what's happening and why is this happening? Did we do something wrong? But in fact, well, we're protecting ourselves. So that may be just a residual because of that. So I do like that you share that. And I want to commend you on your courage for living your truth because it is so not easy to do, especially when we think that people see us one way and here we are (laughs) 
hello, you know, we're not what that person or these people expected. And it is hard to feel like we're being rejected for who we truly feel that we're meant to be. So thank you for your courage for doing that because you're a light to so many more people because of that. So thank you. <laughs> but but it can be hard. <laughs> it can be hard in the human of us. These are beautiful words. Oh, gosh. Yeah, of course. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. So I wanted to ask you this channeling of a collective spark echo. (laughs) Can you... Talk us through how that came to be and what Echo is and all this great stuff. (laughs) Sure. Our guides, any guides that are working with us, whether it's Ascendant Masters, whether it's Energies High Benevolent Beings, they're so incredibly wise because they know exactly how our minds work, what works best in how can we make this communication easier. And so in the beginning, I was feeling the presence of guides, like I said, working with different spiritual teachers. And I noticed my family was part of the gang, but also I noticed certain guides come and go in these practices. Then I had this incredible healing session. Again, it was some sort of activation. It wasn't even meant for me to see my guides, but that was probably the first time I actually saw my guides and it was like this whole room and there was so many and I could see there was this beautiful shaman that was standing here and he said he's helping me with those past lives there was this priestess there was this angelic boy there was a little fairy there was so many there and my family And after that, I actually felt quite conflicted working with them because I'm like, well, who do I talk to? What if I want to talk to my family the most, but then I feel like I'm neglecting the other ones that I get upset and my mind started spinning (laughs) because like, well, I don't want to upset them, but there's so many. I actually didn't realize there were so many of them. And now I feel like I need to talk to all of them. And then the Akashic Records came in as well. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's Ascended Masters there. There's Akashic Masters and teachers. I'm like, how am I going to keep track of everyone? And so it was interesting, Laura, because (laughs) we get so in our human head, right? Oh, I did. And so I went into the Akashic Records once and I went up and I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'm doing this right now. I don't know if I'm supposed to take these guides with me. This is getting very confusing for me. And all of a sudden I found myself in this valley and there were these huge mountains that I can only describe as like Colorado mountains that I'm imagining Mm. from movies. And all I heard was this echo and it was like all these voices were speaking as this one unified voice, but I still knew it's all of them. I don't even know how to describe it other than this echo. And they said, don't worry about the individual guides. We're all here, part of the sea of consciousness. We're all here to help each other, to help you. And so all of a sudden, they were speaking to me in this unified voice. And I said, okay, so is this 
going to be my new guide? How am I going to tell you? Like, it's just all of us speaking through. And then I said to them, okay, so what do I call you now? And then I heard echo. I just heard echo actually echoing. So I'm like, okay, that feels good. And from then on, this whole collective, my whole astral team, I just started calling echo because in my head, it makes it easier to work out. And then I don't have to worry about, am I talking here? Am I talking there to them? And I think the next hurdle came when I started doing mediumship because I started working with my family. And you might be familiar with this, Laura, how in a mediumship, we are often encouraged to tell them where you want who to stand in order to know who's coming in. Like yeah. mom's here, grandmother here, the father's on this side. Again, for me, that was, oh my God, how am I going to keep track of everyone? Yeah. So again, I said, I just wanted to have everyone here. And as you step in, just give me that feeling, just take my breath away. So I know someone's here. And then I want one person and that's usually my mom or my dad, just to bring through this information and it makes it so much easier for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what that yes. yes, they're like mediumship gatekeepers yes. or something like that where they can filter for you because they know your language. I am so strongly drawn to the fact that I think ECHO might be an acronym for something. I don't know if you've discovered what that is yet. But ECHO is an acronym for something. I love that. I'll have to look into this. You'll have to look into that. Yeah. yeah. There's something more to that name. Oh, that's good. Because after that, after we untwisted this pretzel <laughs> of how are we going to work with Kasha, I was just so grateful that there is this one voice. <laughs> <laughs> and I just didn't think, but I love that. Yeah. Just to throw in something else. <laughs> Just another layer for you to uncover. It's just even the way I write it. It's interesting because when you asked me, this is literally how I saw on this huge mountain. And it was like in this light written. So I just started writing it like that. In all caps. Mm-hmm. With that, I think I will look into this because this is now fascinating me. I just never thought of it. Yes. I feel like it's going to be like an aha when you see it because there's something to it. They're not telling me because it's for you and you can connect and figure that out. But there's something more to it where I feel like it's going to be like, oh my goodness, that's why I call you Echo. So yeah, keep me posted. I will keep you posted. <laughs> I was just thinking, yeah. I get goosebumps actually when you said that. Oh, I goosebumps. Yes. Okay. Very exciting. <sighs> so you and I are having this conversation. I mean, we've been doing this for you know me a few years now you, I mean, it's in your blood, <laughs> like really strong. Um, and you've been doing it for a while too. Wow. A few years. Really. Yeah, a few years. Okay. So, you know, we're over here having this conversation like, yeah, you know, I was in the Akashic Records. Yeah. I saw this. I saw that. We, they told me this. They told me that. So for us having done this work for a bit, it's normal talk. Oh my gosh. I was in the Akashic Records today and this is what I learned and da, 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 da. But to break it down a little bit for the listener who is new to all this and is just like, wait, what? You were in the Akashic Records? Wait, what? You saw who? You got to talk to who? What's your process like to get into that headspace to then receive that information and then to trust that information? I love that question. Okay. So 
having just come from my weekend workshop where I was teaching this. Oh, perfect. This is so fresh <laughs> in my head because you're right. We do this and it feels so natural and normal yes. now to us that actually once when you start teaching someone, you're going to go, okay, what are my steps? What am I yes. doing actually to create that <laughs> shift? Because mm-hmm. the shift is important. So here is the thing, Laura. When I started seeing these past lives way, way back, really only three years, but I feel like I need to start by saying that I didn't always feel I was psychic from birth because mm. I think so many times we feel like, oh, you can do this because you were born with this. I mean, we're all born with the abilities, but it wasn't something in my memory that I can go like, oh, yeah, I always used to see spirit. I mean, I've got a few little stories that are now coming out, but I didn't have that to hold on to, to give me that boost of confidence, like, yeah, I can do this. And so when these past lives started coming up, I've never played with past life. I thought, okay, well, if someone can tell you a past life, it's probably like a party trick. (laughs) So I didn't see that even. So when I came in that meditation, I actually thought, oh my gosh, I could see it like a movie. That was before I even have ever heard of the Akashic Records. So I'm working with the spiritual teacher and all of a sudden I'm seeing something which now I know is Pleiadian, but I'm seeing this writing and I'm like, it's something and I have no idea what it is. So we opened up this whole conversation. That's when she told me, well, you're probably going into the Akashic Records. Are you using a prayer? I'm like, no. Are you going up? Are you going into the library? No. I'm just meditating for about 40 minutes and then I'm seeing all this stuff come up. And I'm pretty sure she told me she's an Akashic Record reader, but because it wasn't on my radar, it probably went over my head. Because when sure. she told me, I'm like, oh, you can do that one. <laughs> so we tried a few things. We tried to go into the library. We tried to open the book. And I got to tell you, Laura, for some reason, I wasn't getting anything. When that book opens, I feel like mm. a deer caught in the headlights. And I'm like, oh what? I've got nothing. And my mind starts to look for answers. I'm like, okay, that way is not the right Mm. way for me to enter. Because when I wasn't doing this, when I was just meditating, I was getting stuff. So then I never used to pray because being Catholic, oh, I was not practicing, but I was brought up in that a little bit. Prayer always felt a little bit ingenuine to me. It's like we have to recite these things because it's Mm. whatever part of this process. So the prayer didn't resonate and I couldn't get my head around it. And so when I actually started tracing my steps and how I entered the Akashic Records, which took me a while to figure out, I actually went in and I asked, okay, what's the process? How can I explain this to someone? How can I get my head around this prayer that we're supposed to recite? And I said, the prayer is only to raise your vibration. You don't Mm. even memorize it. You're supposed to read it because when you memorize it, you go into your analytical mind. So you have the prayer, whatever prayer you have, you can find them online. If you have a teacher, you know, like I've got a few as well. I've got one that I received from my teacher and that one resonates with me the most. So you recite this prayer. Now, I recommend, yes, you can go into the library, try a guided meditation, see if that works for you. If it doesn't work, please don't think that you can't do it. It's just probably you're like me and you get that whole, the book is open, but I've got nothing. 
So then what I teach is if that doesn't work for you, try reciting the prayer and sit in silence for about five minutes. And then when you open your eyes and you've got your notebook and a pen, just start writing. Now, I usually get my students to start with what do I need to know today? Something that's non-emotionally charged. Just mm. ask simple questions and just start writing. Don't stop because you may hear it. Now, the important thing, I guess, that I need to say here now is my experience of the Akashic Records is that the Akashic Records is not a place somewhere. It is all around us. It is a state of consciousness that you enter ah. and you become aware so very much like going to a dream state or into a meditation mm-hmm. where your awareness shifts to a different state of consciousness. The same as when we go into the Akashic Records. You just have to go a little bit higher. So that's why we use the prayer or a meditation. You go higher and then you know you're in there because... You start to feel this overwhelming feeling of love. You feel like everything is okay. Everything's at peace. You notice the things in your life as you're sitting in this space, the things that were bothering you just before, they seem so small and so insignificant and so like everything will be okay. I also see sometimes when we go into these teaching rooms, again, they just appear sometimes. I see these two guides appear, and I don't usually see guides, so I know they're from the Akashic Records. Ah, I see. So when you do your prayer and you go up, you start to feel different. You start to notice that your vibration is changing. But also, if you do do the writing, the guidance that comes through is the bigger picture guidance. It's not something. Something like if I said, who am I in the eyes of my guides, for example? What a question. Wow. The answer wouldn't just be, you're a great gal, (laughs) right? You wouldn't get this question. Hey, you're fantastic. You're awesome. You're doing a great job. Hang in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get my clients to ask this because when you say, who am I, that is a little bit broad and your mind starts to search for answers. But when you ask, who am I in the eyes of any benevolent being, God, angels, my guides, and then you start writing the stuff that comes through the guidance, the information, it will feel so expanding and so powerful and carry so much love and positive frequencies with them. I hope that answers it. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I went around. No, that's fantastic. So you had mentioned that you meditate for 40 minutes. Does somebody have to meditate that long to reach that state? Is that something that you direct your students to do? No, because I realized that not everyone can sit and meditate or finds it challenging or finds that the longer they sit, the more the mind starts to get crazy. Yeah, Very much like you, I started meditating in 2019 and five minutes at first, and then I increased it because it started feeling good for me. So now I can sit an hour in meditation, I could actually sit much longer, but when moms were busy, we've got stuff to do. <laughs> but it just feels so nice to me that when after about 20 minutes, I get to the state where I just feel so amazing and so uplifted. So to answer your question, no, you don't have to. Like I teach this Aki method, which is the Akashic Record channeling experience. That's the automatic writing combined with getting yourself into that theta state. So for that, I just say, just recite the prayer. And then you sit for five minutes 
And then just to focus on your breath, bring yourself into center, drop into your heart space. You can even have the alarm set for five minutes. And then you open your eyes and you write, what do I need to know today? Or who am I in the eyes of my guides? When you start writing this, don't stop and just see what comes. Because with time, like now, and I'm sure you're at that stage as well, where we create that shift so naturally. And that shift is something that's really hard to explain for a newbie, let's say, although I still feel like an apprentice in all of this, but <laughs> someone who has, who's just starting to learn to discern what are my thoughts, what is guidance, to create that shift is really, really challenging. So I explain it with these, you know, these illusion pictures that are like picture in picture sometimes. And if you look, you might see something. And then if you look closer, you see something else. Yes. So I like, see how you created that shift. You didn't look at the picture and just thought, oh, that's all there is, right? Because that's what you were immediately seeing. You kind of go like, okay, there's more there. And all of a sudden you see the other picture appear as well. And so that shift, when you are open and your heart is full and open you create that natural shift and then whether you sit in meditation for five minutes or it takes you 40 minutes or you just start writing that shift has been created you can just do the prayer and start writing and see what happens and that will put you into that theta state eventually so just play around just see but i don't ever say you have to sit in meditation or you have to go into the library because I think that's very limiting for us. Okay, so I love that. I also like to share that channel writing or download writing or whatever people call it is a really great way to start to create a communicative relationship with spirit guides or any other members of one's soul team because it allows you to be present, give your brain and hand a task while still just writing whatever comes through. So I do, I like that you share that as well. I also like that you shared how you were told to try to enter the Akashic Records, didn't work for you, so you tried something else. I really think that it's important for people to understand that when they're on this spiritual journey, it's great to hear about different people's experiences, to see what resonates, to see what works for you, what doesn't, because it's okay to have something work a different way. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Just like you said, you're like, don't just stop there. Don't think you can't do it. Maybe it comes to you differently or something like that. So I really, really love that because I think that that's so important to share. Our stories, our journeys, our ways of connecting can be so different that we really have to celebrate those differences and not think that, oh, something's wrong with me. (laughs) Because if you are interested, I don't know about you, Kasia, but when I tell people, hey, if you are interested in this and want to connect with your guides, then that's like half the battle of doing it. (laughs) Just the desire to want to do it. That means you're going to be able to do it. It's just finding that way that works for you. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. I so agree, Laura. And I think we're done with this old paradigm of only a selected few special people are connected to God, connected to spirit, and the rest of us are minions who can't do this and we shouldn't because it's scary and just stay down there and we'll bring you information and we'll give it to you in a way that feels good for you. Like we're done with this. We are now realizing that all of us have been born with our physical senses, let's say. Some have them stronger, some have less. But also these soul senses or psychic ability, 
is a symbol code. We all have all the clears, I believe. It's just that we're not all here to be a psychic or a tarot reader or a healer. Mm -hmm. You could be a librarian, you could be a lawyer, and you could be so connected to your soul senses that you can connect to another human and see beyond the physical facade that they're putting on for you. I believe it's a birthright to access the Akashic Records. It's like the manual that we left on the other side. Because it was shown to me like this, that coming down to Earth or Earth School is like trying to climb Mount Everest. Oh. You wouldn't go and climb Mount Everest without Sherpas, without any tools and equipment. And so when right. we come down here, they don't just say, okay, plonk, off the plane, go into this lifetime, <laughs> and you're on your own. You have your Sherpas. You've got all these guides, and you have ways to connect with them. We don't connect with spirit world with the physical senses. We connect with these soul senses, with your clear audience, clairvoyance, clear cognizance, clear sentience, mm -hmm. the taste, the smell. But we have all of that in us. It's just a matter of, do you want to use it in this lifetime? Do you not want to use it? And then which ones are stronger right now? And I don't know if you think that as well, but I believe that we should try and keep all the clairs open and work on all of them, not just focus on the ones that are strong, because Spirits communicate with you through different clairs. And if you just focus on, oh, my psychic told me I'm clairvoyant, so I'm just here to see pictures, I feel like we're putting walls up and it's harder for spirit to get through because you have it in your head that you can only see or only hear. I don't know. How do you feel about this, Laura? Oh, 100%. That's why I always like to say that, well, as of right now, this is how I get things from spirit because I agree leaving it open is so important because even if we limit ourselves and say, oh, it only comes to me this way, eventually it shifts on its own naturally. Like you tend to get things a different way way or one spirit comes in and they send you taste and you're just like, whoa, where did that come from? But I agree, leaving it open because our words and our intentions are so important as far as our journey goes. And we don't see the whole picture in this human form. Like you had mentioned, they're so wise on the other side because they can see the bigger picture too. So for us to just say, no, it only comes this way. Well, we don't know that because <laughs> we're in these human bodies. We're very limited, right? We don't know that. So yes, I always like to say, as of right now, this is how it comes or in some sort of language like that to keep it open, but to also then answer someone's question of, well, how does spirit communicate with you? Well, matter of fact, it's like this right now, but I like to say it in a way where I leave it open to all the possibilities, because the possibilities really can be limitless. So I agree with that completely. Yes, and being open to that. And it actually just reminded me, Laura, of this little story from one of my trainings. So we were sharing about the clairs, and I said clairvoyance and then clear sentient and then clairaudience comes for me like this. And then I had once this experience of smelling my dad smoking a cigarette in my dream, and I could smell it. Wow. Yeah, I was driving in the car, and I tasted licorice, which my mom had, and I didn't have any licorice. So I shared that with my students 
experience and you're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I want to have all of that too. I said to them, I'm not sharing this to say I'm so special. I can do all the clairs, but I'm just saying (laughs) I am always open. And I say to Spirit, bring it to me however you want to. I know that right now, like you said, at this moment, clear voice, clear audience, clear sentient seems to be strong. But when I say that, it's today I might get more through clear audience. Tomorrow I'm feeling things so much and I can feel energy, but I'm always open. I go like, if you want to put a pie in my mouth and taste of a pie, I am open to this. <laughs> Without the calories. Without the calories. That would be fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? Any lemon meringue? Oh yes. my gosh, I love it. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I want more of that. Yep. Yep. I'll take it. <laughs> Okay, so I want to talk to you about the star family, this Pleiadian star roots. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So through the Akashic Records, I have learned, and I feel like this is possibly known out there, there's about 22, 23 different star seeds. I have probably come to know maybe about mm, 10 And that's because I'm not a galactic channeler, so I don't go to communicate with them, to bring through lightning, to share their wisdom and stuff. At this time. At this time. (laughs) Very good. Yes, I don't do that at this time. I actually, it's so interesting. I always say that's like my summer reading. You know, when you're at school and you have to read certain books and then you think you want to read this book, but you're like, I'll wait till summer holidays and then I can read whatever I want. And so I always go like, yeah, one day, you know, when I have (laughs) time that's what I want to do but at this time I'm not a galactic channeler no so my knowledge is only limited to or I specialize I guess in what comes through for my clients how does it serve you to know that you're Pleiadian or you're Mentakin? Mm, and I yeah. want to say this because there's so much more out there. There's galactic wars. There's information about draconians and reptilians and how they affect us here on Earth. Yeah. And I know there's amazing people who work with that. But here's what I know. We have been everything at one point we have been everything everywhere however because everything everywhere infinite is such a huge thing for our human minds to encompass and understand what i have realized is that through the akashic records they spoon feed us this is important for you to Mm. know so i would get for my client the soul origin so what was the first starseed energy that they embodied? Where were they? So for me, that's Mentakian. And then sometimes they give me two more, which is more like the lineage. So I explain this to my clients like this. Imagine you're born in Australia and you learn English and you embody the qualities, the traditions of Australia and then your parents when you're five move you to Germany so you don't forget everything about Australia and how to speak you retain this but you also embody the German language the traditions got it as an adult if you then decide I want to move to Poland you will then also add that to your repertoire the language the traditions you don't lose all that so that's how we understand the lineage 
Now, the star seeds that I work with most, like Mintakins, for example, their planet was Atuvia, but they take the name from the closest star, which is Mintaka. Now, Mintakins or Mintaka was covered with crystalline waters. And there's two types of Mintakins, the ones that were in the water, which are your mermaids, your whales, your dolphins, and the Mintakins that lived by the water. So I find with my clients that, for example, the ones that were in the water, they have the strong affinity for mermaids, dolphins, underwater life. Right here. (laughs) I have mermaids on my altar. (laughs) Yeah, and when we watched Ariel... I have so many clients that were saying, oh my gosh, it felt so familiar to it. It felt like home and it was so strange, but I just wanted to swim with Ariel underwater. So those are the clients and they love the water. The water is quite cleansing for them. It's home. The ones that live by the water, they still feel soothed by whales and dolphins and love mermaids, but they don't necessarily have to get in the water. They just like living nearby. Now, Mintakins are here to be of service they have a strong sense of i'm here to be of service and they cannot be malicious even if they tried they have this beautiful healing energy i was actually wondering laura whether you're a mentakian because your energy is that pure pinkish energy that is just loving and people just are drawn to you so I wonder for example if people when they meet you they seem to trust you and they seem to share things with you yes perhaps their personal stories because it's your energy Mm. and so for Mentakins it's very important to remember boundaries Mm. boundaries 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 also they tend to attract a lot of people that much of them take 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 but don't give back and Mm. energetically it's because Mentakians like to be of service so they give 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 but as humans they forget that that's depleting them they can't just be giving and forgiving and giving and forgiving sure and so as a Mentakians boundaries are really important a quick run over Pleiadians Pleiadians are super fast moving. So they're called the light workers, often confused and cold that they're the healers. They are also healers, but they're generally light workers, creators, manifestors. Mm. On Pleiadians, everything moves super fast. They can manifest things, create worlds, create things by just thinking about it. Obviously, if you're not in your human body, you don't have a mind, so therefore you don't have thoughts. But that's how fast things happen. And here's something interesting about Pleiadians. When they started coming down to Earth to match that energy of speed, they started going into lifetimes. They chose roles for themselves where it was very adrenaline-based. So they were warriors, barbarians, conquerors, fighters, often soldiers. And so now they are slowly mellowing Mm. out. So I just want to emphasize Pleiadian souls are not evil souls. It's just to match that level of fastness they chose energetic lifetimes and roles for themselves and here's something really interesting because played in souls 
want to get from A to B super fast. They don't care about the middle path. Like, I want this done yesterday. <laughs> and so they chose these roles where they could conquer countries and acquire all this wealth because it was super fast. Oh. But now they are often frustrated because they can't manifest so fast. So often my plating clients, I have to say, well, you're in your body now. <laughs> Things are happening at a slower rate here. So just hang in there and be patient. But you can do this because you're a plating soul. You're the creator you're the architect of course you can do it <laughs> so Palladian souls are now mellowing out and they're choosing experiences now that are more I guess nicer and they're the light workers so that's Palladians and there's Acturians and Syrians that are probably also well known Syrians are going to have their moment in the spotlight coming up because the Lion's Gate is opening up 20, I think, 4th of July till the 12th of August. Mm. And it will peak on the 8th of the 8th at 8 p.m. And what this means is the Syrian star will be aligned with the sun and earth, particularly the Egyptian pyramids, wow. creating a gate. And because it's the month of Leo, we call it Lion's Gate. So very powerful energies will come through. And especially if you're a Syrian soul, because you carry the ethereal implant, which is how Syrians communicate. My Syrian clients get activated by light language like this. So very powerful energies will come through to upgrade us. This is where we want to connect to our vision, even if you're not a Syrian star. So this is the time where if you're thinking about big changes in your life, this is where you want to connect to those visions and sit in meditation, connect with the Syrian souls and the lion's gate on the 8th of the 8th at 8 p.m. It will peak then. Very powerful energies. I had clients whose life was completely shaken around like in a wow. snow globe and they found themselves exactly where they want to be after lion's gate because they stayed connected to their vision. And then Acturians are healers, blue healers. So often healers work with Acturians. So that's just a very long but short description of a few of the star seats. Wow, that's fantastic. I feel that gives a lot of people something to think about and start to get those wheels spinning of which ones they connect to. You mentioned with the Pleiadians, manifestors and things. So is there a strong connection with human design that you're aware of? See, Laura, I'm not really too familiar with human design, but I believe that some people say Pleiadians are the keepers of the Akashic Records, mm. that they are the creators of law of attraction, all that stuff. So it could be that they are. I see Pleiadians generally as very good at using their energy to make things happen. It's just that in this world here, they are somewhat limited. So my clients are great at manifesting and stuff. But then I guess you don't have to be a played in soul to fall into one of the human design categories. Got it, got I think it. there's four or five. I'm so not familiar. With them. Yeah, I think there's <laughs> four resonates. <laughs> I'm not a human design yeah. expert by any means either. Yeah, four sounds right. So I want to say that you don't have to be a Pleiadian soul to be, let's say, the manifesting generator or manifesting something that in human design. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. My <laughs> knowledge is so limited on human design. But I believe that for me, it just comes through that 
Palladians are the go-getters. They make things happen. So it could be that whatever human design type fits that, that if you looked at their star seed, that perhaps a good chunk of people would fit into that one. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So when you mentioned picking up bits and pieces throughout your lineage, your lifelong lineage, I can see when you described some of the different star seeds or these different groups, I was like, okay, yeah, I have a little bit of that. I have a little bit of that, a little bit of that. So I could see how I picked up things along the way on my life's journey at some time. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of what do you want to amplify in this lifetime? Because it will help you to do your soul work. And what do you not want to? So I have, for example, a beautiful friend who has a little bit of play but mostly she is Mentakian. And so for her, because she likes to do stuff very slowly, it has to be perfect before she puts anything out. Like an Instagram post will take her two weeks to craft. But then she gets harsh on herself and she judges herself for being so slow when everyone is passing her by. And I'm like, that's your Palladian. So we need to let go of those energies and embody more Mentakian, being in the moment, being here of service. Whenever you connect, I'm creating this because this will help someone. Then your focus goes into this, your energy goes into this. But Palladian energy doesn't serve her. It makes her feel inadequate. It makes her feel like she's not good enough. So mm. I keep saying to her, so just let go of that and focus more on the other energies. So you can do that. You can choose which energies you want to bring in into this lifetime because they help you with what you're here to do. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Well, Kasia, this has just been such an amazing conversation. I wish it didn't have to end, but (laughs) for time's sake, unfortunately we have to. So maybe we'll have you on again. (laughs) But to help wrap up our interview... I was wondering if you had a message from the other side, a timeless message for the collective for the time that they hear this episode. Okay, what is really coming through is that we need to focus on what our own experience here is and what we would like it to be and understand that people around you are having their own human experience and it may not work with your own agenda it may not work with what you want to create here and that's fine the moment we start to make someone do something or be or we expect them to do something we are tainting their human experience here so even if we want someone to see badly I'm here for this, or you shouldn't listen to this, or you should listen to that, or you should be vegan. You're taking away their free will. So the best approach is even if we're dealing with someone who we clash with, who triggers us, just coming back to us, I'm having this human experience here. This is what I'm creating for myself. And the people around you are players who teachers who are offering you guidance by what they say, by what they do. You either get to grow from it or you get affected by it. Your aura shrinks or your aura expands. But always, always, always focus on your own experience, on what you are creating here. Anything that we want to change in our life, anything that we want to make happen, I always am being guided to it starts with us. We are the vortex. We can't make change happen through someone or waiting for external circumstances to change. It always, always, always starts with us. So the more we go within, the more we focus on us, our own experience, the more expanded and beautiful and peaceful and aligned our lives will be. 
Oh, such a wonderful message. Thank you so much to you and to the other side for that amazing message. And thank you, Kesha, for your time today. I really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Laura, for having me. This was such a delight. I was really looking forward to chatting with you. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. And that was another episode of a Guided Life podcast. To connect with me via my socials or for links to my book titled Guided or my card deck called From Your Spirit Guides, please visit my Linktree site at l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash guided west. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.